Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim Rabbishrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Amma ba'd Respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, dear listeners Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most gracious most merciful for uh, blessing us to sit with the Quran and spend some uh, some of our valuable time in order to make it even more valuable by going over the verses of the, of the Quran trying to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what is he saying to us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness can become obviously very apparent from his beautiful words you know, brothers, they share with me stories sometimes randomly, and they actually want me to share with the crowd too. They say, you know, if there's beneficial, if it's beneficial, why not? So, um, one of the things uh, that one of the brothers just randomly l- last week shared with me, he said, as I was reading, I think it was Surah Al-Kahf on Friday, he said, I just, I became very emotional. And I started to cry as I was reading the Quran. And he said, I want to share this with you. Is that it dawned upon me that what I am uttering from my lips and my tongue right now is the actual spoken word of Allah that was revealed on the Prophet ﷺ. And these very same words the Prophet ﷺ himself recited. And it weren't, if it was just his statements, that would be powerful enough to think about it. That he actually said these words. But to think that those were the spoken words of Allah given to him. And that that was something that is the most special uh, thing in existence, period. Because it's not even a creation of Allah, it's an attribute of Allah. And for me to think that those things are on my lips, he said it was just so overwhelming of a feeling. And, And I responded by saying that what you said is so true. But what my reflection on this is, So many things around us in our life are so amazing, but we just don't reflect on it. What I just shared with you is, not, is obvious. Of course, who else is the words of Allah? And the Quran is the words of Allah. And of course, it's, it's something revealed to the Prophet ﷺ, right? It's obvious. But we don't think about it in that perspective. And it should you know, make any of us melt thinking about it. Those who have memorized five surahs, those who have memorized 50 surahs, those who memorize the entire Quran. It should make any of us feel like overwhelmed. That subhanAllah, what I am reading, what I am listening is a spoken word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How are my dirty lips and my dirty tongue blessed to be saying these words? But the, the issue, my brothers, is there's no, there's no nawal, there's no tafakkur. We don't ponder and think about the obvious things. That's why we don't take effect from it. And the Quran is asking us to ponder and reflect upon everything. The Quran says, do you not ponder over the verses of the Quran? Do you not ponder over the verses of the Quran? Or do you have locks over it on your heart? Or do you have what? Locks on your heart. So, the Quran asks us to look at nature. When nature is already around us. We, every day we come, we come into the masjid, we look at nature. What does it mean by looking at nature? It means looking at it with the intention, نَظْرَ اِعْتِبَارٍ Look at it with the intention of seeking some 
lesson. Allah says in the Quran, أَفَلَا يَنظُرُونَ إِلَى الْإِبْلِ كَيْفَ خُلِقَتْ Do they not look at the camel, how it's been created? وَإِلَى السَّمَاءِ كَيْفَ رُفِعَتْ Do they not look at the sky, how it's been elevated? وَإِلَى الْجِبَالِ كَيْفَ نُصِبَتْ Do they not look at the uh, mountains, how they have been planted? وَإِلَى الْأَرْضِ كَيْفَ صُطِحَتْ Do they not look at the earth, how it's been widespread, how it's been spread out? Of course, the Arabs are looking at all of these things. Every day they're looking at it as they travel through the desert. They're looking at the camel, looking at the mountain, looking at the sky, looking at the earth. That's not just the purpose of just looking. The purpose is to look at it with the intention of reflecting on its creator and how it came there. That's a key thing. So we are blessed to be sitting here right now with the words of Allah and discussing it. We ask Allah to grant you and I the love of the Quran, grant us the faham of the Quran, understanding the Quran, and allow us all to become from the a family of the Quran. Amin Rabbil Alameen. So we end, left off with the story of uh, of the ant last and uh, that, that was one portion of Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam's story ending over there um, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just mentions how this one ant spoke up and told the, the other um, army of ants that Sulaiman is coming we talked about how this was a miracle and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed this ant to reflect and to think and differentiate between someone who's coming with a bad intention to someone who's coming with, who's unaware, we're going to trample them. We also talked about the fact that how, how is a man coming down with his army downhill able to even hear this ant speaking. That's also, of course, a miracle. And the fact that Sulaiman is smiling here, there's no reason for Allah to mention that, right? Yani, to think that there, but of course every single thing that's mentioned in the Quran is for a reason so the fact that Allah Sulaiman smiled tells us that he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is di- discussing the um, sentiments of Sulaiman as he hears this ant speaking meaning he is smiling at the way this ant is thinking about him Look the husn al-dhan he's making. He is not pointing fingers at Sulaiman. So it's something, just it's, it's interesting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the aspect of smiling. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani one thing is that the prophets do not laugh loudly. Qahqaha, what we call. You know where you open your mouth and it's all over the place, you're rolling over, holding the stomach, whatnot. We know the mas'ala of qahqaha. That if a person were to laugh out so loud, where he, everyone else can hear him, and this, if it's done in, during salah, what happens? Not only does the salah break, the wudu breaks. Alright? So, um, this is something uh, interesting that I've seen with my teachers. Sometimes they would crack jokes in class. And many times. But then they expected us to hold ourselves. And if a person laughed out too loud, they get upset. And it's like, you just made us laugh. Why are you getting upset? He says, no, but you have to smile or laugh a little bit and then uh, one of our ustads Mala Muhammad Dudat may Allah grant him long life is a el- very senior elder ustad of ours he would say take your rumal take your shawl put it in your mouth and bite on it while you hear the joke bite on it you're right so that you control your laughter 
Because what they would say is that through excessive laughter, the noor of ilm goes away. The noor of the face goes away. How many of us have felt that? You're sitting in a good gathering. Uh, we're sitting in a gathering and, and a person begins to laugh. If you excessively laugh, a person actually feels something leaving the heart. Seriously. You sit in a gathering of dhikr and dua, tilawat of the Quran, whatnot, you feel like you feel like I'm motivated, I'm spiritually stronger. The opposite also is true. When a person sits in a gathering where everyone is just continuously cracking jokes, and you laugh and laugh, after 20 minutes you reflect. You say, how was I at the beginning of the gathering and how am I now? You will genuinely feel a hollowness inside yourself. Too much laughter actually kills the heart. Too much laughter takes away the noor of ilm, takes away the noor of iman from our face. So everything has to be done in moderation. Yes, uh, uh, having light moments is important. The Prophet ﷺ was angry at his wives who were demanding things that he didn't have. And so he separated himself from them for a month. And Umar, everyone was getting, you know, he was upset. Abu radiallahu anhu took permission, eventually got permission and he came in. Umar radiallahu anhu took permission, others were not allowed, alhamdulillah, eventually got in. And then Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu looks at Rasulullah that he is hazinam. He's sitting there very sad because he's upset at the whole situation. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu says, I am going to say something to the Prophet right now to make him smile. He's, and so what did he do? He went, he went ahead and he uh, he, he said something to make him laugh. Nabi Sallallahu eventually, um, you know, he cracked up. And so that was like a stress relief for him. So this is something actually important to do. When you see someone who is grieving uh, uh, over brooding or angry about something, if you can say something to lighten up the mood, that is good, good etiquette. But everything has to be done in moderation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He did tabassum, he smiled at, at this ant. One thing we always hear in our uh, effort of da'wah, jamaat bayans, we always, ulama, you know, brothers give example of this, and we have to give an example of it here. What is that? <laughs> is that the fact that this simple small ant was so concerned about its entire, the, the livelihood and the safety of its uh, entire colony that it spoke up. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Love that, that he mentioned it over here. And through the small ant's effort, an entire colony got saved. So when we uh, speak up and we, tr and we have concern for our fellow human beings, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also will save us from the army of shaitan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save our community from the army of shaitan that is as big as Sulaiman salam's army, or bigger. And they are... Uh, coming with their horses. They're coming with their horses. They're coming with all different things. And they're attacking our communities. Attacking us, attacking me. Attacking all of us. So when we have this concern of Amr al-Ma'ruf and Nahi al-Munkar that we want to save one another, we can actually uh, do a lot of benefit to our communities. And so, although talks are not taking place right now publicly as much, gatherings are limited in masajid. But inviting towards one another, Inviting one another towards deen is something that needs to continue on. So we need to see, you know, if we can, for Jummah, if you haven't seen people for Jummah for some time, 
Or just check up on people. Say, how are things going? Are you able to still make it out for Jummah? And they may tell you that, no, I'm actually praying Dhuhr. So then you can kind of, that gives you an excuse to give them a little tarqib, encourage them, try to, you know, try to take care of their fears. Those of doctors, physicians sitting here, you, you have ability to use your uh, medical background to say, you know what, it's okay, inshallah, for 10 minutes you go pray and leave, you're not going to be the end of the world. Uh, you can encourage that. You can use that ability to encourage people. And through that, inshallah, we don't know how many lives. Not only will we save, you are already saving and hopefully from corona, but more importantly, we'll be saving them from the entrapments of shaitan. This is what the Namla did. Dear brothers, this is such a small creation of Allah, but the ability that it has to, uh, the ability of strength, the, ability, the strength it has, the ability to smell, the ability to communicate, is noteworthy. How one of them smells where there's sugar, and will send the signal out to the entire colony. And you see out of nowhere in our own homes, one ant, something falling on the ground, there's one ant, come back in one hour, you'll see two, three hundred coming from all over, from, from different, <laughs> where it's going on. How is the news spreading? I'm not talking about 10 feet. They're coming in from 100 feet, from the other end of the garage, the other end of the patio, other end of the, where it's going on. What is, type of communication is this? Right? We just got the cell phone now. We just got the cell phone now. These ants have been working like this for thousands of years. Seriously, just last week I had this experience in my own home. And I'm looking, where are they coming from? I can't figure out. One from that side, one from this side, and also from very far distances. How did they communicate? How did the word spread like that? And everyone is coming in orderly fashion, tertib-wise. You don't have adab al-jawla. Brothers, please, come on, walk to us. No, they already, they know exactly how to walk. They know how to walk. They're not, they're not jumping over each other. Tertib-wise, they're walking. They know exactly what they're doing. This, if this is not the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is? Reflecting over these simple, small makhluk is something amazing. Some facts, I was just reading, I was amazed. Right? How many, how many ants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created in the world? Types. Right? 12,000 species that the humans have discovered so far. 12 different thousand species. There is a Israeli riwayah or whatnot, people mention that there's 12,000 types of creation of Allah. Isn't that? They say this in the bayans. 12,000. My dear friends, 12,000 scientists have just discovered of what? Of the ant. Just of the ant, 12,000 species. To say Allah has created 12,000 species in the world is completely incorrect. Millions and millions. 12,000 is what we have so far just discovered in ants. And then in terms of um, uh, what you call, how much weight they can pick up, there's some amazing facts. An ant can lift 20 times its own body weight. Meaning, if, there was a, if an ant was a human being that had strength, that means a second grader. Are you second grader? Any second graders here? No? Oh, you're older than second grade, right? You're much older. SubhanAllah. Second, a second grader could lift up an entire car. So you'd be lifting up a, like a tow truck or something, right? An entire car. If a human being had the strength of an ant, equivalent. And then, they don't have ears. However, they, they hear by feeling the vibrations on the ground of their feet. This is how the communication. They can't hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about in the Quran on the Day of Judgment. He says, La tasma'u illa hamsa. You're not going to hear anything except for the footsteps on the Day of Judgment. That description is so intimidating that there's going to be pin drop silence and there's going to be trillions and billions of people and the only thing you will hear is footsteps of people on the plains of Hashem. Because they'll be literally, as they say, pin drop silence. Um, 
Okay, when they, then they actually are very similar to how we work. They have colonies, they have worker ants, they have a queen ant, they have guards, they have uh, the, the ones who fight, they have an army, and they fight till death. Amazing, they actually take prisoners. Take prisoners, did you know that? They take prisoners. When they have a fight, they take prisoners, and they bring those prisoners back, and those prisoners become slaves. And what do the slaves do? They clean up and they take care of their kids. They take care of their babies. They do babysitting. All the prisoners, they become slaves. And the ones who die, die. But they don't give up easily. They'll attack. There are some of them that are more hostile than the others. They will go out and conquer other colonies. Out, and some of them are just out there to defend their own colony. Um, and then, how do they leave this trail? How do they get back to their hole? Think about how intimidating it is, our own house, our own kitchen. Where it came from, we don't know. It took a little piece of sugar and it's going back. If you were to follow it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go a distance. For, between, for you and I, it's like walking probably, you know, uh, uh, 30, 40 miles. That's how much they're traveling. How do they do that? Because they leave a scent. And so that's why if you want to get rid of uh, if them coming, you have to, you know, bleach it or clean it out so you erase all the scents. We can't see it, but they are dropping something all along and they follow back that scent back to their hole. Um, they don't have lungs. However, oxygen enters through the tiny holes over all of their body. So they're breathing through every single portion of their body. And then from the same holes, the carbon dioxide is leaving. <laughs> and then when the queen of the colony dies, the colony can only survive for a few months. Queens are rarely replaced and the workers are not able to reproduce. We can reflect on this. That to have an imam, an amir, in any movement for the, our human being's survival is very important. What we call khalifa. If you don't have that, then all the judgment, all the desire, is not going to go anywhere. And so we were reflecting myself and a couple of friends about the you know Black Lives Matter and whatnot's happening right now in, in the country, and you were seeing that previously you had people like Muhammad Ali, uh, uh, and you had of course before that Martin Luther King, and then. You know, uh, you had, uh, of course, Malcolm X. Individuals like that, and many, many more individuals like that. And today, there's protests going on everywhere, as of recently in Wisconsin too. But we're not, it doesn't seem to be anything organized. Everyone's just doing their own thing. And of course, you, when you don't have an organized manner, then you can't, you can't control what happens too. So it ends up becoming more harmful. Some of the things people do ends up becoming more harmful. Who's calling the shots? No one. And that's why the chance of this kind of really having long-lasting changes is a little bit less. So, an uh, interesting point that was mentioned when you, when you look at the assassination of Malcolm X, my father and I was just dis discussing this, he was mentioning it to me. That he asked one of his African-American patients um, that, you know, here you have Malcolm X being killed um, and you understand why. But, uh, you know, for a person like Mar Dr. Martin Luther King, who is, uh, you know, was not asking people at all to be armed or whatnot, no armed resistance. What was the reason you think he was shot and killed? And so she said that she was interested in the same question and she researched this and, and she came across the answer to this was what we're talking about here. He was the king, he was the queen. Even though he didn't, uh, he wasn't advocating, you know, taking people, asking people to get, take arms, but he, he was a spokesperson. He riled the people up. He was a uniting force. And you take them out, you take him out, eventually all the jazba and the desire that people have eventually will die down. And that's what they were very successful in doing. 
So, you understand the just you understand a hadith of the Prophet where he says, "Sallu khalfa kulli barin wa fajr." Perform salah behind every right, righteous and sinful person. If he's the imam, pray behind him. Especially if he's imam al-Muslimin. Imam of the masjid, imam al-Muslimin. If you have a uniting force, he may have not some of the best traits, but to have someone in place there is better than having a vacuum. Look at the Arab Spring. How much democracy has come from it? How much khair has come from it? Unfortunately, it started off with great intentions. But where are we at seven years later, eight years later, right? In all those countries, in a much more pitiful state, unfortunately, for, for most, if not all. So these are things we reflect also from the ant and their colonies. How the queen is that uniting force in her absence, uh, you know, the whole colony dies down. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve and protect our communities. May Allah grant us righteous, pious leaders all the time that can unite us together and keep us on the right path. So those were some closing points from the last story that I wanted to share. Moving on to the story of Hudhud now. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu says, وَتَفَقَّدَتْ طَيْرَ فَقَالَ مَا لِيَ لَا أَرَى الْهُدْهُدَ أَمْ كَانَ مِنَ الْغَائِبِينَ لَأُعَذِّبَنَّهُ عَذَابًا شَدِيدًا أَوْ لَأَذْبَحَنَّهُ أَوْ لَيَأْتِيَنِّي بِسُلْطَانٍ مُبِينٍ فَمَكَثَ غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ فَقَالَ أَحَطُّ بِمَا لَمْ تُحِطْ بِهِ وَجِئْتُكَ مِنْ سَبَئٍ بِنَبَئٍ يَقِينٍ إِنِّي وَجَدْتُ امْرَأَةً تَمْلِكُهُمْ وَأُوْتِيَتْ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَلَهَا عَرْشٌ عَظِيمٌ وَجَدْتُهَا وَقَوْمَهَا يَسْجُدُونَ لِلشَّمْسِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَزَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَعْمَالَهُمْ فَصَدَّهُمْ عَنِ السَّبِيلِ فَهُمْ لَا يَهْتَدُونَ Allah says, He started viewing the, reviewing the birds, taking attendance. Sulaiman so, taking attendance of the entire army. But he said, Let me focus on the birds right now. Look at his knowledge, his ability. He has full control over knowledge of the birds, the jinns, and the humans. He notices one of them is missing. And he said, Maliya. What's, why is it that I do not see the hopo? Hudhud, the hopo. Why don't I see the hopo? Al hudhud. Hudhud is a type of bird. Alif lam, the hudhud. The hopo, meaning this was not a normal bird of its species. It had some unique abilities. Just like that, Namla also was very unique. He said, How do I not see him? Or is it that he is from amongst those who are absent without permission, without leave? He is left with, he's not here without permission. Meaning, of course, if he took permission, then it wouldn't be a, a you know, big deal. But the fact that he is He's not here and he, I'm not aware of it. That means he left without permission and that is a big problem. So we realize that, uh, that in order for uh, any army or school or any type of organization to run smoothly, we, there needs to be order, nizam, tartib. We thought that everything falls apart. And one of the aspects of nizam is attendance. And through the barakah of Salatul Jama'ah, that house, how you see nizam in our community. Five times a day, roll call. Five times a day, roll call in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine that community that has its continuous attendance regularly. 50 people, be it 100 people, be it 25 people, but they're always present for this daily salah. How much khair and barakah? Whatever mashallah you need to do for the community. Issue arises, you're there. Talk about it. Whether it's issues about the brothers who are attending, their families, or other people. Right? 
It's a great way to keep ch checking on the health. We heard the story of Umar radiallahu anhu, who on top of all that he had, he had the ability to turn around and see who's not present. And he, he saw one time a youngster not present for Fajr. And he went to straight to his house, knocking at his house. And mother opened and said, where is your son? I didn't see him for Fajr. And she gave a nice excuse. She said he was busy all night performing tahajjud. You know, he got really tired, so he prayed salah at home and I went to sleep. And his answer was, I wish he had rather come to the masjid, prayed for fajr, and slept all night. Coming for fajr to the masjid is more virtuous than staying awake at night, performing salah. So what about surfing the internet? What about doing other random other stuff? Sahih? So attendance for fajr, salah, is like the greatest ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon any one of us. Make this intention, inshaAllah. A winner is coming. It's, it went, uh, fajr is getting later and later. That we make niyyah. You can, nothing happens without niyyah. We make the niyyah that we're going to come. And then when we don't come, we punish ourselves. We fast that day. Give $25 in sadaqah. You miss it. Right? Some type of thing that's hard on your nafs. Something that's hard on your nafs. If we do that, inshallah, Allah will also see that we're sincere and we're trying. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy for us. So he's taking roll call and he sees there's hudhud is, this special hudhud is not here. What does he give the warning? Indeed, I will most surely punish him. With a severe punishment. Or I shall most, I will slaughter him. Until he, unless he brings me a clear warrant for his absence. He needs to give me a clear reason and ex excuse that is acceptable to me. What do we learn from here? As a king, as an emir, as a leader, when people fall out of line, we have to send a message. If we don't send a message, then the one person coming out of line will make everyone else also jari and make them fearless. And they will all eventually start breaking the rules. So you have to make someone become a means of sending a message to the rest. That's why when the police... I tell that to students, they're like, oh, why me? Okay, listen, this five guys who are, in, who, are, who are speeding. What happens to the cop? He pulls one over, not all five over. And then after that, the whole, the whole interstate slows down for, you know, for the next 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, as long as he's there. Then he pulls out the next one. So you send a signal. That's what Sulaiman is saying. If I, don't take, if I don't take him to task, then the rest of you are just going to think you, you can not show up whenever you don't want to. So he sent us, on top of that, without permission. Can't do that. Is mentioned Umar al-Khattab he received some wealth from Marul Ghanima and he was distributing that wealth people began jumping on the wealth and grabbing things so Umar he saw Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas you know an amazing Sahabi the first person who threw an arrow in the Islam many other beautiful virtues of him he saw him also kind of trying to jump over the crowds to come into the pile of matter ghanima Umar radiallahu anhu he lifted up his kora his whip on top of Sa'ad ibn Waqqas and he said to him innaka aqbalta la tahabu sultan allahi fil ard you have made this you know approach upon me not being afraid of Allah Sultan on the earth. I'm Allah Sultan on the earth. I'm Allah's power on the earth. I'm the one who enforces Allah's law on the land. 
the way you came right at me, as though you have no sense of respect or fear of me. Guess what? Ahbabtu an u'allimaka anna sultan Allah la yahabuk. I want to teach you that the sultan of Allah is not afraid of you. Subhanallah. You have, meaning, he's like, I want to, I want to send the message. You're Sa'ad al-Qas, but there's limits. Don't cross it. I am the Amir al-Mu'mineen here right now. So take it easy, basically. So, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he also said, Aliku as-sawta haythu yarahu ahlul bayti fa'inna lahum adab. Hang the whip, a stick at home, in a place where people at house, in the home can see it. It will be the means of etiquette for them. It will be a means of sending a message to them. Meaning, how does that apply today? Obviously, I'm not saying go get a, you know, some bamboo stick or something right now. All right? On the way back home from Menard to go find something. Instead, <laughs> it means we have to have rules at home. Stick could simply mean, you know, you're, what's a, there's no bigger stick than saying you got to give me an iPhone. Khalas. That's atomic bomb, not a stick. Right? So there's different rules we can apply how will you do it? But the main thing is that there are certain things that are non-negotiable in our home. And I'm not afraid to uh, enforce them. Rather, not that I'm not, I'm not afraid, I will. I will enforce it. Dear friends, this is what we learn from our elders, psychologists, teachers, etc. Uh, you know, that one of the key things, whatever rules we lay down, we have to follow it. If we don't follow the rule, that's actually harmful for the child and everyone else. Because then they will get a habit of not believing in anything you say. And not believing in any rule. So it's not their fault when they don't take you serious. Because you say things and you don't follow through. So they'll think, oh, there's another one of those things. And then it will make you very angry when you see you're not being respected and people are not following. So here anyway, Sulaiman salam, he laid it out clear. And he said, I'm going to do this if you, don't, um, if you don't give me a reason. And he did ask him until you give me a reason. So that's another aspect of parenting and leadership is that we should not pass judgments until we have investigated what has happened. Cannot pass judgments. So he says, Oh, I'm gonna wait till you give me the answer. Usually what we do, or in our even cops also, right? Shoot first then ask later, right? Hit first then ask later. Right? Why didn't you just ask first why you came late? Instead of giving it to them, and then after t you're tired of hitting or screaming, then you say, oh, what was the reason you came late again? That's wrong. That's not according to the deen. Uh, you know? Uh, the, the thing is, we need to investigate before we lose our temper upon anyone. What is the scenario? What is the situation? They may genuinely have an excuse. We need to get this habit properly. Hold off. When someone is not here, especially don't pass judgments against them. He's always there. He probably is, you know, buying a cup of coffee right now. He's probably just, you know, wasting his time. No, we have no right to pass such judgments. May Allah forgive us from saying things like this. This is riba, backbiting. This is buhtan, false accusation. You're breaking someone's heart. So many sins are taking place. Wait till he comes in, ask him, let Allah to explain himself. Even if he did it nine out of ten times, keep your mouth zip. Don't say anything until you give him a chance to say what he has to say. Uh, it mentioned amongst the ulama. That they would not get mad and get upset at anyone until they would find out what, uh, what were the reasons that he did what he did. This is the etiquette 
uh, is mentioned in the book Al-Adabul Kabir great in the, uh, by Ibn Muqaffa rahmatullahi alayhi that they would people would not get upset at anyone until they would ask them first for their reason why they have done what they've done he remained away but not for long meaning very quickly Hudhud came back and then he said he said to him I have compassed a momentous matter I have knowledge of a momentous matter that you don't have and he clearly said that you have, you, I have something which you don't have. He told this to Sulaiman alayhi salam. Again, he's a very intelligent uh, bird. And he said, I have come to you from the land of Saba with sure news. So the ulama mentioned something, he says, you know, when, a, when someone comes home really late and he knows his parents are going to be super upset, he's coming home at 11 o'clock, 10 p.m. or 11.30, past curfew time. So what happens? They usually, he say, Dad, did you, you know what happened? And he said, what? I saw the most craziest thing, you won't believe. Where did you come from? No, okay, let me just finish the story. It was the craziest thing, just, just wait, wait till you hear this. Did you hear what happened over in that house? Did you hear about this fire? Did you hear so the idea is to say something that will take their mind off of us and detract them. And so they hear this story, which is either going to make them laugh or cry or make them, you know, shocked. And then eventually by that time, they'll forget that they were angry at you. Or at least it will get, you know, kind of cool down. So Hudhud does the same thing. He's a bird, but he's a smart bird. And he tells the Master, okay, wait, wait. You know what? I got something. You played that before? I've got something that you have no idea of. Who are you telling me? I've got jinn, humans, and all these makhlukat working for me. You're telling me you've got something I don't know about? Seriously, I do. You've got, I've got something that you don't know about. Don't you want to know what it is? If you're going to beat me up and slaughter me, that's going to be gone. Then you're going to be gone. You're not going to get it. So uh, he said, okay, fine. He used this technique of calming Sulaiman down. And actually, what do we learn from this? That every, there, yani, no matter how knowledgeable you, have, you are, there's always someone who's got something you don't have. And in this case, Sulaiman has just unbelievable amounts of power. But still, Allah gave a bird, not more, but at least one thing they didn't have. A bird, where's a bird in front of Sulaiman So that tells us to be always hum humble because whatever we have is not our own it's all given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we don't know who he has distributed where and hikmah and wisdom similarly is distributed amongst people that's why we take mashwara and we ask people even sometimes young people will give such an amazing piece of advice that the elders were completely blind to it they had no idea about it so if we are, if we are humble in front of Allah we won't have a problem taking mashwara. This is part of arrogance nowadays, that especially the youngsters, they don't like to take mashwara from anyone. They don't like to ask. They don't ask their parents. They don't ask their older brothers and sisters. They don't ask people who have gone through what they've gone. They say, nah, I got it. I got it. All right? So, and they don't have it. What you've got is you've gotten arrogance. That's our problem. And uh, how long are you going to go with this? 
you'll suffer. May Allah give all of us the understanding of our own weakness and the ilm of Allah. That, you know, the ilm of Allah is great and Allah has distributed his knowledge amongst people. So what have you got that I don't know? He said, Indeed, I found a woman ruling over them. Surprised. In that zamana, there's a female king. Not very common at all. So he's surprised about this. And, And she has been given something of nearly every good thing in the world. She's a very well-to-do king. And guess what else? She has a magnificent throne. So it's like you're coming to your, you know, your dad loves his car. He said, you know what happened? Okay, before you scold me, guess what? I went to someone's house. Man, they had a really, really nice car. Even better than yours, right? <laughs> so the, who, who had that car? What car did they have? You know your weakness, right? So you say, he had a bigger, better car. Okay, khalas, what car was that? Now let me, let me get into the car discussion here. So here, Hudhud, he tells her, salam, she has a very big throne. And she, yani, he, she, he got the attention of so some people mention the hadith never, a nation that makes their women uh, a woman their leader will not be successful you've heard this before so what does this mean there are different explanations of this one explanation is that Nabi was speaking about a specific group of people um one of the one of the arm, uh, one of the nations at, at, at that time, the Persian, if I'm not mistaken, he had heard, were making a female their uh, their leader, and this was a prophecy for that nation that they will fall, and will not succeed. And this was something specific for them. Others have said, is that, uh, yeah, I mean, this is something general. Why is this in general? That in certain aspects, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has endowed women and men with different qualities. In terms of taklif and in terms of tashrif, there's no difference. Taklif means not pain. Arabic taklif. Taklif, yani, in terms of being accountable in front of Allah and responsible for deen, both are equal. Both are accountable and responsible. A child is ghair mukallaf, doesn't have taklif, child. That is not reached age of puberty or maturity. But an adult, be a male or female, they're equally responsible and accountable in front of Allah. And tashrif, yani in terms of honor, a male or a female, both are as honorable based on taqwa. They have taqwa, the more taqwa you have within you, the more honorable you are in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be a male or female. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given certain traits, like the trait of being the ummul hanun, a loving mother. That loving mother, feminine um, um, uh, love, uh, love, Allah has placed specifically in women. And hence, we see that within our parents, we see that within our spouses, we see that between our daughters and our sons, the difference. It's so obvious, so, so obvious. Women are different, men are different. And in terms of their emo emotional strengths, they're different. Physical strengths, they're different. Right? That's naturally, you see that. You don't see all the brick layers of Dar Salaam and everywhere else. And the sanitarian engineers, garbage men, you know, being women, all the people layering, putting bricks and welding are all females. How often you see that, right? You don't, you don't, that's just natural. Certain, certain, this gender gravitates towards one, or this gender gravitates towards the other. This should be very common sense. Like it's so weird, I have to say this. 
I just booked my ticket on American Airlines this last week, and this is the first time. I don't know if you recently made a booking. You'll see it. It's asked me my gender, male, female, uh, uh, unspecified or undisclosed. Under, not disclosed. So someone said an age, we should do that too. To say, I feel like I'm senior citizen, hence I want a discount. I'm stealing senior citizen today, so give me a discount. If everything is subjective, then age should also be subjective. Everything should be subjective then. Ajib zamana we're in. Allahu Akbar. May Allah allow us to see right, uh, right as right and falsehood as falsehood. And give this Allah So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given this, this motherly love to women. Hence, if she is now a judge or she's a leader and she has to now make a decision of, of putting all her, the sons of the nation at risk and give, maybe give up their lives, it's going to be a very hard decision to make a decision that a thousand uh, young men may lose their life in the battlefield and, may, and their moms will, uh, you know, be, uh, will have to see the genesis of their kids. Not an easy decision. But someone's got to take it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given certain strengths and weaknesses to one another and they complement one another beautifully. If all of us have the luxury at home, everyone is a father and mother, both are hanging the stick, what's going to happen to the kids? And if both of them are saying, it's okay, it's okay, everything's fine, chalta, it's okay. Just hugs and kisses only and no strictness, what's going to happen? You have the thanda garam, right? There's a reason why you have hot water and cold water and your taps. You mix it and you get the perfect mix. Too much cold, too much hot, doesn't work. Uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable. Either way, you can't, you can't take care of your needs. And that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given mom and dad together these different traits. When mixed together, it comes out the perfect balance. Allahu Akbar. So, he said, I found all of these interesting things happening over there. They're ruled by this woman and she's got everything. However, one thing which is very interesting and weird, he said, Hudud said Unfortunately I found her and her people Bowing their faces down to the sun in worship They're worshipping the sun Instead of bowing to Allah For shaitan has made their godless works Seem good to them Shaitan has made their godless works Seem good to them Thus he has barred them from the path of Allah. فَهُمْ لَا يَحْتَدُونَ Therefore they are not rightly guided. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of Sayyidina Ibrahim. He says, فَلَمَّا رَأَى الشَّمْسَ بَازِقَةً قَالَ هَذَا رَبِّي هَذَا أَكْبَرُ He was doing munadhara, debate with his community. When he saw the sun rising, he said, Okay, this is my God. This is the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the largest. فَلَمَّا أَفَلَتْ When sun set, he said, okay, I'm, I'm, I've had it. He did that with the stars, he did that with the moon, he did lastly with the sun. Of course, he wasn't making shirk there. He, this is the way he was speaking to them. He was trying to say, based on what you say, how about if I, that you can have gods besides Allah, how about I call this God? Okay, obviously that's not working, the stars are gone. Okay, that's not working, the moon's gone. Okay, fine, let me give you a third chance, the sun. Even the sun, the greatest creation is gone. It's sun, it sets. Who's running the world when the sun sets, if the sun is the God? Innibari ummatashikun, I am free from what you ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers, she was smart, she was intelligent, she was gifted with everything. Yet she and her community is worshipping the sun. What happened? 
they've got a hijab over their aql, their eyes. They can't see. Blind from the truth. We are no better than anyone else because we prayed Salat al-Maghrib here and we put our head down in front of Allah. So let us never look at XYZ religions out there and say, I can't believe how foolish they are. They're still worshipping XYZ. No. Thank Allah for giving you the basira. These people who worship idols, animals today, some of the most intelligent people on the earth, they're leading CEO, CFOs of the most successful companies. They are some of the leading scientists, leading medical doctors, the leading, leading professors of the world. Yet they're putting their head down in front of someone besides Allah, or they don't even believe in God. People are talking about Tesla, people are talking about Fulan, this, this, this CEO, Elon Musk, and whatnot. Very intelligent people. When asked about religion, he says, religion and science don't go together. Can't, can't, can't get myself to worship God. Right? Such intelligence that you have put people into space, you've done electric cars, you've done all that stuff. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pulls this chip out of your mind, then you just can't see it. You can't see the obvious. When you and I simply, we don't, I don't know much about you know, astronomy as much as I would like to, but just by, I don't need to, just by looking and gazing at the stars, don't you just say subhanallah. Now imagine you have the ability to put a spaceship up there. How much intelligence, how much you know more than I do. And after all that, you still can't accept Allah exists. What does that tell us? That tells us this is tawfiq from Allah. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens it up for you, you get it. If He doesn't open it up for you, you don't get it. So hence, we should never fall into any type of uh, superiority complex. It's not over until we die with iman. Right? We're not allowed to. We're not allowed to think of ourselves as superior to kuffar. Not allowed to think of ourselves superior to and make fun of people who worship XYZ. We see Allah, give me istiqamah and iman till I die and give these people hidayah. That's, what the, that's the feeling we have to have. Okay, but the problem with these people, why are they not being guided on top of that? Hudhud is saying, Shaitan has beautified their actions for them. When Shaitan makes wrong look right for you, it's very hard for us to come back on the right track. This is what happens today. Today, all of these move, uh, the movements from the left that are happening, right? All the different types of things. Shaitan makes them really feel what they're doing is correct. So it's very hard for them for them to see what they're doing is wrong. And who's supporting all of these things? Our Muslims. Some of the greatest support that these issues have are from apparently through polls is from the Muslim community. So shaitan Everyone is being taken for a ride. When a person thinks what he's doing is what he, wrong, he's doing is right, will he get tawfiq for tawbah? That's a scary part. That's a scary part. When we don't think what we're doing is wrong, we will not get the tawfiq to do tawbah. And that's why people who are involved in bid'ah rarely make tawbah. Because they think what they're doing is right, they'll invite you towards that bid'ah. Whether it's grave worship, whether it's something else. Forget about doing tawbah, they'll say, why are you not joining us on this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, قُلْ هَلْ أُنَبِّيُكُمْ بِالْأَخْسَرِينَ أَعْمَالًا Shall I not inform you of the people who have the worst deeds, who are the biggest losers? Amal ke sab se sab se zyada khasare mein padne wale koon loge? Alladina dalla sa'yuhum fil hayat dunya. Those are the people whose effort in this worldly life went to waste. Wahum yasabuna anhum yusinu nasunaa. And they thought all along erroneously that they were doing right. 
ساری زندگی سمجھ رہے تھے کہ ہم صحیح کام کر رہے ہیں حالانکہ سارا 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 کام بیکار ہو گیا تو قیامت میں وہ انتظار میں رہیں گے کہ ہمارا ہمیں بہت بڑا انعام ملے گا Next. أَلَّا يَسْجُدُوا لِلَّهِ الَّذِي يُخْرِجُ الْخَبَأَ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تُخْفُونَ وَمَا تُعْلِنُونَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمِ قَالَ سَنَنظُرُ أَصَدَقْتَ أَمْ كُنْتَ مِنَ الْكَاذِبِينَ إِذْهَبْ بِكِتَابِ هَذَا فَأَلْقِهِ إِلَيْهِمْ ثُمَّ تَوَلَّ عَنْهُمْ فَانظُرْ مَاذَا يَرْجِعُونَ قَالَتْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمَلَأُ إِنِّي أُلْقِيَ إِلَيَّ كِتَابٌ كَرِيمٌ إِنَّهُ مِنْ سُلَيْمَانَ وَإِنَّهُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ أَلَّا تَعْلُوا عَلَيَّ وَأْتُونِي مُسْلِمِينَ We just recited an ayat of sajda. So before you leave the majlis, please, and those of you who are at home also listening, uh, do recite the ayat of, of sajda. Okay. So, he's saying, Yehudhud kaya raha hai. Yeah, so sad, man. These people are so smart, intelligent people, but they're worshipping the sun. He's Allah yasjudu. Why do they not bow their faces down to Allah? Though He is the one who brings out all that is hidden in the heavens and the earth. Khaba' kemane chupi wichis. He is the one who takes out, who brings out the hidden thing in the heavens and the earth. And He alone knows what you keep secret and what you make known. I remember very few things I remember from yani, my days of reading Quran Tarjuma. I studied this with Mulana Suleiman Mullah, 1990. 8, 1999, But this is one thing I remember from that class, right? 22 years ago, 21 years ago, is this ayah. I clearly remember him saying. Uh, and those of you who have never heard him, some of you know him. So if you don't know him, go check him out. Mawlana Suleiman Mullah, Sheikh Suleiman Mullah. An amazing scholar who has outstanding talks in English. And also he has got some in Urdu as well. But it's mesmerizing to listen to him. Mesmerizing to see how uh, a person in this day and age can have this type of phenomenal memory and can speak English, Urdu, Arabic at the same time. His poetry, when he starts poetry, he says Arabic poetry for like four minutes nonstop. We've never, like in our life, we never heard this much Arabic poetry. He'll say it in one breath. And then he will immediately after that start translating in the best English. You say, how do you do something like that? It's just, um, uh, you know, out of this world. MashaAllah. So, Sheikh Suleiman Mullah. So, I remember he mentioned that look at how this bird, how the, every one of us understands Allah through our own environment. So you understand Allah through your job. You understand Allah through your job and through, if you just, if your family, if you just, ha- if you will just welcome the child in your home, you'll be looking at, like, oh wow, look at Allah's qudra. If you uh, just had a near-death experience, you'll understand Allah's qudra through, through that. There's so many different ways we can understand Allah's qudra, right? How does a bird understand Allah's qudra? Every single day it leaves its, its nest empty stomach because it comes in hadith and comes back with a full stomach and not only a full stomach it provides for the whole family yes 
What is the what is hadith say? لو أنكم تتوكلون على الله حق توكلي لرزقكم كما يرزق الطير تغدو خماصة وتروح بطانة. If you were to rely upon Allah the way you fulfilling the right of reliance, then Allah would provide for you the way He provides for her. the birds. A bird leaves its nest. How? Hungry. In the morning. Without a game plan. Kuch idea nahi. Kahan jana hai. Just chalo, niklo bhai. Let's get out. Let's search. And comes back with a belly fill and food also for the young ones. Nabi alayhi salatu salam saying this is, the, this is the aspect of tawakkul. All of us should have, we all have to have our jobs. But never think that our job will provide for us. Allah forbid if one day we get a pink slip, Allah forbid, it shouldn't be the end of the world. See? Allah paalaratha, pehle bhi paalaratha, abhi paalega. The job was not providing for me. Allah was providing for me. He provided. He chose to provide me through that avenue. Oh, He'll provide me from another avenue. Right? Then Allah will provide. Allah will provide if we have that level of tawakkul. So the bird understands Allah when it puts his beak in the ground and he finds what? A seed. He said, Alhamdulillah, I found a seed. I found a worm. How, how did I find this worm? <laughs> if you were to go sail outside, go find a worm. You sit on fudge, you're not going to find one right now. Right? Go find one a worm. Go find it right now. You're not going to find it. Where is it? Well, I don't know where to look for. How am I supposed to look for it? Where is it going to? How does a bird find all of that? Every day they're finding worms. What does that tell you, my friends? That's how the bird of Hudhud recognizes Allah's existence. What does that Right? He's, he's the Hudhud saying, I understand Allah through the fact that the seed comes for me and the worm and everything that's hidden in the ground, Allah takes it out for me to eat every day. That's something so obvious. I as a bird understand Allah is great. How you as a human, as a queen of this whole huge area don't understand this point and you're worshiping the sun. What's wrong? What's going on? So this aspect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so amazing. Allah jalla jalla yukhriju al-khaba. Okay, what's khaba? Hidden. Rain is hidden. Rizq is hidden. What else is hidden? Talent is hidden. Talent is hidden. All of these things, who takes them out? Allah takes them out. And if a person wants to uh, wants to understand Allah Jalla Jalaluhu, he will see that. For example, we are just traveling right now through the interstate and we saw, you know, 100% dry, beautiful sun, sunny weather. Within, within like, th- uh, I could see at the distance I was driving, it's raining. And I go after one mile, pouring like no tomorrow. Pouring like no tomorrow. Just a minute later, 100% bright. Then after two minutes, again, beautiful bright. To the right, I could see. Sunshine, sunshine, no clouds. To the left, I can, it looked like a tornado was coming. What is this, my friends? Yukhrijul khaba. Allah is the one. This, if all clouds gave water, why is it that wasn't wasn't rain throughout the journey, throughout that throughout that section? Some clouds are giving, some clouds are not giving. So, yani, nothing is by itself working. All of it is in the hands of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah says, "Wa fi samai rizqukum." Your sustenance is in the sky. What does that mean? Your sustenance is in the sky. Some of the scholars say that means your, everything we eat is from the ground, grows out of the ground. Even the animals will eat what's coming from the ground to be able to give milk and to give you meat, right? Sheep, goats, cows, and everything. What, what does it take to grow from the ground? It takes water. So rizqukum is referring to water. Water comes from the atmosphere, and that's what makes your things grow. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to eat anything. Right? That's what we're speaking about over here. Allahu la ilaha illahu. Then he says, Hudhud, it's a kalima shahada. 
please don't kill me. <laughs> don't kill me. Allahu la ilaha illahu. There is no God but Him. Rabbul Arsh al Azim. The Lord of the Magnificent Throne. Kya zabardas baat kahi? Bilqis's throne is big. Yeah, your throne is greater. But no one's throne is greater than Allah's. You're a king, she's a king. You have a right to kill me like this. But Allah ka wasta de rao. You know, I'm saying Allah's name, the Lord of the ultimate throne, basically. That's what the scholars say. Hudud said it now to kind of really seal the deal that he is safe and not be, is not going to get killed. Abu Mas'ud, a companion, he was one day hitting his slave of his. And he heard someone from the back saying to him, I'lam Abu Mas'ud, I'lam Abu Mas'ud, oh Abu Mas'ud, jaan lo, jaan lo. Get, you know, realize what you're doing. Realize. He said, I was, you know, not able to hear what's clearly, whose voice is it. I didn't understand what was going on because it was, he was an angry voice. The voice was changed. When the voice came very close, I turned around and who was it? The Prophet And he told me something. He said, I'lam Abba Mas'ud, I'lam, Janlo, no. He said, Allah has more power over you than you have over this slave of yours. Allah has more authority over you than you have authority over the slave. He said, La He said, I'm sorry, I will never ever touch a slave of mine ever again. He made this oath to Rasulullah. It's mentioned about Abdullah bin Muslim. He one day came to Harun Rashid. And Harun Rashid decided to, for some reason, kill him. Uh, so Abdullah told him, as the kings before, you know, they got upset, they'll kill him or something. He said, Abdullah told him, As'aluka billadi anta bayna yadayhi adhallu minni bayna yadayk walladhi hu aqdaru ala iqabika minka ala iqabi illa fawta anhu anni. I ask you in the name of that God in front of whom you are standing and will stand tomorrow and you will be more helpless in front of him than I am helpless in front of you. I ask you in the name of that God in front of whom you are more helpless than I am helpless in front of you. And I ask you in the name of that God who is more capable of punishing you than you are capable of punishing me that you forgive me. And he forgave him when he heard that. Because they had some fear of Allah. They had immense fear of Allah. Not some. They had immense fear of Allah. When you said it to them in the right place at the right time it would actually hit them. And they would start thinking that subhanAllah okay I don't, I don't want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hold me accountable with that. So, Sulaiman said, Okay, I'll give you a chance. He said, We shall see whether we will see in your matter. If you have spoken the truth or if you are from amongst the liars. If you have spoken the truth or if you are amongst the liars. Again, it goes to what I said earlier. Before we pass judgments, do research. So he said, I'm not going to even believe this story so quickly. Let me do a little bit of research. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned in hadith, اِتَّقُوا دَعْوَةَ الْمَظْلُومِ فَإِنَّهُ لَيْسَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ حِجَابِ مظلوم کی دعا بد دعا سے اپنے آپ کو بچاؤ اس لئے کہ اس کے اور اللہ کے درمیان کوئی حجاب نہیں رہتا ہے Protect yourself from being afflicted by the dua of an oppressed person because there is no barrier between an oppressed person and Allah accepting the dua. Remember, Muslim even refers to non-Muslim. So don't oppress even a non-Muslim. Non-Muslim also can raise his hands. What happens in Akhirah is different, but his dua, but dua can get accepted in this world. Remember that. 
So we are being warned not to take uh, quick decisions before we do research. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Hajarat, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu in jaakum fasiqun binaba'in fatabayyanu an tusibu qawman bijahala fatusbihu ala ma fa'altum nadimeen. Oh believers, if a transgressor comes to you with news, then research the news before you do something that you are going to feel bad about afterwards, basically. How many times you and I hear things about one another? My brothers, let's make take home point. When you hear something about your brother being shared with you, don't jump to, to the conclusions. I thought he or she is like this. No. And then you say something. Hold back. Don't say anything. Don't make any judgments until you actually go ahead and research it. Especially in the era of social media. It's so easy to doctor images, to fake images. Right? It's so easy to create things, to make seem things which are not there. So even if you see someone holding hands and doing something, don't believe it. Seriously, we're in the era of Dajjal right now. If you hear, make a, you hear a video of a person who is saying something, clearly, still don't believe it until you ask that person. That's, the technology today is very simple for people to completely manipulate and make a whole fake movie, a fake video with your face, with your facial expressions and something else being typed up and they're reading it. The technology is here for all of that. And that is what is one of the many Dajjali tools to create distance between people and ulama, between people and who they who love them and care them, shaitan will come and create these misunderstandings, most likely in the future, and is already doing that right now. Right now, there's talk in the town. Oh, this alim scholar said this, and this scholar said that. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about with the whole UAE and Israel thing. Uh, this is something, yani, This is not for you and I to get involved in, in terms of which scholar said what, right? And there's lots of things that are being passed around when those scholars themselves are distancing themselves saying we have not said anything about this. We are being falsely accused for having signed these documents and saying people are saying that we've signed these documents or not and this, this treaty or not. We haven't done anything. But people are saying that. I'm being, I'm being asked about this. So this doesn't benefit any one of us to get involved in something of that sort. So he said, I'm going to find out if you're speaking the truth or you're lying. So what, how are we going to find out? He said, I want you to go take this letter of mine and just leave it there. Cast it and walk away. Don't stick around. Turn away from them. And see what answer they shall return. I don't want you to be watching them. I, want you to, I don't want you to be watching what they do. Just come back. They shouldn't see this, so they shouldn't know where it came from. They shouldn't know where it came from. So he goes and he gives it to them. Qalat, ya she received the letter and she said, O oh, assembly of nobles, a letter has reached me, has been cast upon me. Majhul. Yani we don't know who did it. Someone left a letter here. But she did say, Kitabun Kareem. Look at the adab she had. An honorable letter. Why is it honorable? Because the name of Allah is there. And this is a different letter. It begins with introducing Allah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. She realizes this is not an average letter. The way it's been delivered also is a very different manner. I don't know where it came from. So she realizes that this is a, a very special letter. She wanted to take mashwara. And she said, The letter is in Nawmin Sulaiman. It is from Sulaiman. 
and it is written there, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the All Merciful, the Mercy Giving. How did she know that? Because it was stamped. There was a seal of Sulaiman Ali Salam there. All right, most likely that's how she knew it was from Sulaiman Ali Salam, and she knew it was an honorable letter. And this is for the etiquette we learn here when we write a letter also to begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. When we say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, anytime, every day, we're supposed to be saying it at the beginning of everything we do. Two things are meant there. One is to remember the blessing of the mun'im. I've, I've said this before. Don't focus on the blessing. Focus on the one who gave you the blessing. Imagine the father gives his son a toy. He looks at the toy and he gets so busy and just walks and runs away with it. Doesn't even say jazakallah khair, doesn't say thank you, doesn't say oh thank you, appreciate it. Not now, he doesn't ever say it. He's just busy with the toy. You'd say that's bad etiquette, right? No problem. The toy is there for you to play with, but at least recognize the one who gave it to you. Imagine our relationship with Allah. Every single day he's pouring blessings upon us. And we're so we're so focused on enjoying these blessings. How often do we have to take the time out to thank him for what he's giving us? So interact with the mun'im, interact with the one who's given us this blessing instead of just focusing on the blessing itself. So that's the purpose of saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim before we eat, before we drink, before we go anywhere. And number two, the purpose of saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is to remind ourselves or to, to think about what does Allah want from me now in this action. Allah ko yaad karna aur Allah ka hukum ko yaad karna. Ye dono cheezen haasil hoti jab hum Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim padhte hain. Anytime we say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, two things. This is the benefit we're getting. What else is in that letter? Do not exalt yourself against me. And come to me as Muslims. Pretty much. Don't act arrogant in front of me. Come as a Muslim. Humble yourself and come to me. She said, Oh, assembly of nobles, Aftuni, counsel me in my affair. Aftuni, give me a fatwa. Literally, right? Give me a fatwa. Tell me, Aftuni fi amri, counsel me in my affairs. I do not decide any vital affair unless you all bear witness and consent with me. MashaAllah. That's why she was successful. Allah is praising her also. Because she understood the benefit of mashwara. Right? I've just mentioned that. That if there was anyone who didn't need mashwara, it would have been Nabi Wasallam. He's receiving direct revelation from Allah. Allah says, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ He doesn't speak out of his own desires. In He's only speaking out of revelation. Yet Allah says, وَشَاوِنْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Take mashwara from your companions. Allah says, أَمْرُهُمْ شُورَىٰ بَيْنَهُمْ The Sahaba, they used to always get their affairs done through mashwara. So to consult people. But who do you consult? You consult people who have knowledge, of course. On top of that, you have consult people who have taqwa. Very important point. Because if you consult people who don't have taqwa on affairs, then they will not give you the, the opinion that is the best interest for your akhirah. They will, give, they will give opinions that may be best interest for your investment or anything else. Make sure we consult with people who Besides knowledge, they have taqwa as well. 
So she began to take mashwara from them. And um, what did what what is uh, what is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said? Ma man istashara Something along uh, The one who takes mashwara will never fail, and the one who does istihara will never feel remorseful. Jo mashwara lega wo kabi nakam nahi hoga, aur jo istihara padega wo kabi pashemand aur afsos nahi hoga, afsos nahi karega. Whatever decision happens, not to say he will always succeed. It means at least he knows that Alhamdulillah, I did due diligence. I did mashwara, I did istikhara, and whatever happened, happened after that. Even if it's not what I liked, so be it. I couldn't have done anything better. That's the thing. When you do things without mashwara, without istikhara, you feel guilty. Man, I wish I had asked someone. I wish I had performed istikhara. But once you've done what you've got to do, then you leave it up to Allah. If that's what you meant to happen, that was already written for me before the heavens and the earth were created. So why should I be upset about it? I did what I was supposed to do, which was mashallah and istikhara. So let's all make a habit of that. Any affair that we have, mashallah and istikhara. We do, and then we leave it up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what she says. Now, Suleyman salam's letter is short and sweet, right? He says, don't mess with me. Don't act arrogant with me and come to me simply as, as believers. I want to share some few things that are, yani a few short sentences like this, what the Arabs, they call it, tawqiyat. A collection of you know, amazing statements in which leaders have sent a message short and sweet. Uh, so it's mentioned regarding Yahya al-Barmaki. He sent a letter to one of his governors. And he said, Amma ba'd. You know how we begin our letters, our khutbahs, Amma ba'd, after praising Allah. Amma ba'd means after praising Allah, after sending salutations of the Prophet No. Faqad kathura shakuka. وَقَلَّ شَاكِرُوكَ فَإِمَّا عَدَلْتَ وَإِمَّا عَتَزَلْتَ That's it. That was the letter. What he says? He says, the people who complain to you are many. The people who speak highly of you are few. So either you come right or I'm going to pull you away from your position. Right? Short and sweet. Um, and then similarly, one of the governors of Muawiyah, he was a governor over Basra. And so he asked, Muawiyah for some help and he said I need to build my house it's 12,000 square yards and I need some money to build it so he told him tell me is your home in Basra or is Basra in your home Bam. Right? you got the hint so it's yani the mashayikh and, and, and the, the, the leaders of the past they would have these amazing one-liners so here's Sulaiman al-Salaam's one-liner that's mentioned in the Quran Allah ta'alu alayya wa atuni muslimin so she took mashura from all of them what's the mashura they gave? they said qalu nahnu ulu quwwatin wa ulu ba's they said we are people endowed with great force wa ulu ba's moreover we're endowed with great military power wal amru ilayk however the command is yours O queen Consider then what you shall command. Whatever you say, we'll do it. But we're ready. We're tayyar. We're ready to jump into the... There are men giving that mashara. We're ready to fight. So what is the answer she gives? She doesn't immediately say, okay, I'll take, you know, not a hawk, ready to fight. We're always looking for... Any we don't necessarily benefit from war. Except for the defense companies, right? <laughs> so he says, in al-muluk, she said, indeed when the kings... إِذَا دَخَلُوا قَرْيَةً They enter a city. 
afsaduha, they create corruption. That's true. Whenever there's an army that's invading a city, there's corruption. Fasad. And they reduce its people of dignity to abject humility. The lowest class becomes the upper class, and more importantly, the upper class becomes the lowest class. And that's what happened to the ulama when the British came. From being leaders, they became the lowest of the people in society out there. That's how they got treated. They were not only killed, but then the whole system was flipped upon them. And this is indeed what they do. So I remember one, one tafsir Some of them are Sufi shiukh They have the different tafsir Which is not necessarily supported from any hadith But they, they take out things from various sides so I remember I heard one day when We had a scholar visiting us in, back in South Africa He read this ayah And he said a tafsir Which I uh, remember He said similarly Our heart Who is supposed to be the most honorable in our heart? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Muluk means the false kings besides Allah. When they enter that village, which is our heart, they flip it. And they make the honorable ones the disgraced ones. Meaning, the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they take it out and they make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the last priority in our life. And they make all the other useless things top priority. Because we've allowed them to enter into our lives. An interesting point, which is true. When you have... Uh, no, uh, when we have Ghayrullah, when we're attached to Ghayrullah, the balance in our heart becomes all switched. This is how they're going to do. So she said, I am going to test him out. I am not going to take your opinion here of jumping into war. I don't like that. There's no point, there's going to cause a lot of problems. I am going to test them out by sending a gift to see whether she is a king or, she's a, or he is a king or he is a Nabi. How she does that test, inshaAllah. We'll cover next week And we'll also talk about how This is not the right way A person should give answer We shouldn't always be haughty over our own strength And that's what they were They said we've got physical strength and power We can knock them out And if they did They wouldn't stand a chance So that's not the way really to move in life um, Instead humility and humbleness And if we have strength and power Don't say we Ever I or we It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace Inshallah, Asha is also at 9.15. We'll end it over here. Inshallah, we can get the, we get the barakah of performing Maghrib Salah with Jamaat, Isha Salah with Jamaat, and sitting here the entire time. We got the reward for performing Salah because we're sitting here waiting for the Salah also and attending a dars as well. May Allah bless every single one of you and make your sitting here a means of our forgiveness. Make it a means of all of us becoming from amongst the people of the Quran, being raised with the people of the Quran, the Day of Judgment. May Allah make our sitting here a means of our forgiveness. May Allah make our sitting here a means of our Children and our grandchildren and our progeny being attached to the Quran. May Allah grant all of us istiqamah to study the Quran, to recite the Quran. And may Allah allow us regularly to attend our weekly dars here as well. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, inshallah, ilaha illa, and astaghfirullah, wa atubu ilaykum.